Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here in person. Um, if you recall, a few months ago, I guess it was in the winter, so it's been more than a few months, I had uh, done an online uh, message. And so while that was a, an adventure in itself, just trying to, I don't know, learn how to do a message in my office and send it off successfully, I'm, yeah, much more at at home and at peace when coming face-to-face -face, uh, with you guys and just actually seeing you in person. So it's very nice to finally meet you guys. I've heard lots about uh, this church, and I was uh, saying to Ernest that I realize I've driven through Auburn plenty of times and never actually like known where the church was, so it was nice to actually um, know now where the church is. Cause now I, and I also know that there's this whole section of Auburn that uh, I had no idea existed. So, uh, And the reason why I don't know any of these things is because I'm not from Huron. I am from Niagara. I was born and raised, well, actually, random fact, born in the States, raised in Niagara, and then uh, went to Heritage for a little bit, uh, Bible College, um, went to Niagara College for a bit, didn't know what I wanted to do still. In my, It was weird, though, because in high school, God had put it in my heart that he wanted me to do youth ministry, and, and it just was a weird time. I just, I don't know, once I hit college, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, and then God ended up putting me out west to Prairie. Uh, Bible College, and there God really re-solidified being like, no, this is uh, youth ministry is where you're going, and and it was cool just to kind of see um, just how that all worked out, because when I went out west, I didn't think I'd ever be with YFC. Um, I had volunteered. Uh, actually, when I did my high school uh, um, volunteer hours uh, in high uh, I was the first year that they had to do that, so my mom's like, oh, you have to do it at a Christian organization. And so somebody heard about YFC in St. Catharines, and they're like, well, maybe he can get some hours there. And there I loved it, and I just kept doing it. And then in the summers, I'd be at camp counseling, uh, just loving, just I love working with youth. And uh, so that's where the, my 20s were a little strange to see me kind of being like, oh, I don't know if that's actually what I want to do. And then I was very thankful that God sent me out west because, yeah, like I said, when I went out west, I didn't want to work with YFC ever again. Well, I'd only volunteered, but I just didn't see myself being there. Um, I loved being out west. I wanted to live there, stay there. Um, and God's like, yeah, you're not doing any of those things. You're coming back to Ontario, and uh, you're going to be working with YFC. And I'm so glad that uh, I did that because, yeah, I went to Ontario, or went back to St. Catharines where I'd done my summer staff and volunteering time, and I was a youth center director there for the past four and a half years, and, uh, and I married a girl uh, from Wingham. Uh, her name is Juliana Bramhill. Uh, her parents do uh, Caring for the Heart, the marriage counseling, and, uh, and just all those things. They're, they're, they're crazy stories because I knew most of her family already through various things all over the place, and little did I know that was prepping me to integrate myself into a large family because, yeah, and so it was cool to watch. If I hadn't obeyed God at that point, I wouldn't have... Uh, found Juliana. So, and, and since then, God called us to come up to Wingham. And uh, so we've, it's a year, I think it's actually this weekend was the, to make it officially a year of living up in Wingham. So it's nice to actually be here and it's crazy to think it's already been a year. And now I'm the satellite director at uh, North Huron. And my first year was just working through the bit of a mess I was left with and uh, just kind of reconnecting with the, the church community and, and the Christians in the North Huron area and helping our volunteers and committees finding uh, a new direction and, and how 
God's moving and how we can be following God. And uh, actually, since then, too, my wife has been hired with YFC's uh, head office in uh, Woodstock. So I'm now co-workers with my wife, which is also pretty crazy because she never saw herself doing any form of ministry like that. So that is a brief history of me. Um, I also have a son named Clark. He'll be two soon. He has got the Bramhill height. If you've met the Bram Hills, their average height, I don't even know what it is, but it's over six feet. Um, Robbie's 6'8", my wife's 6'2", I'm 5'10", so um, we're, uh, we're an interesting couple to look at. Um, but it looks like he's got that perfect uh, hybrid of my kind of beefiness with the, the height. So and if he's got their athleticism, then maybe we've got a future NBA player. Who knows? But Clark's good time. Juliana is my wife. I love her. So, yeah, that's who we are, and they're just hanging out at home uh, this morning. Uh, so, as you heard, the message is uh, just God's moving in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, yeah, I just had a few questions to kind of bring us into that. Um, and the first question was, we're one and a half years into this crazy time. Who here is tired? I am. I'll be honest. I'm sick of this. I hate wearing masks. I hate everything. Like, it just seems like we're going further and further apart as opposed to coming together. And and both sides have have reasonable convictions for the most part of why they're making, like, setting their their stake in that ground. And and I, I feel like because the thing, everything changes so quickly, like, every day, it feels like that we've lived a year and a half under like the, the realm of a microscope, where we've been staring into this microscopic, like day-to-day kind of thing. And for me, and I'm, I'm speaking out of my experience too here, that I, how many times I've been caught up in the microscope and forget that I follow and serve this God that is much larger than anything that's going on right now. And that's what I'm hoping to bring to you guys today. It's just some encouragement is that if you've been stuck on that microscope for a bit, hopefully this helps give you just some new perspective or fresh perspective and just seeing that, yeah, there's crazy times that God's bigger than that. So uh, another question I have, um, and this actually is more of a, there's no answer really for it, but uh, it feels like we've heard the term unprecedented a lot. And so that's something I want to see if this is actually truly an unprecedented time in the world or, or what is it? And then also, how many times, and this one you don't have to raise your hand either for, but, but genuinely think of this, because I know I've questioned this a lot, is where's God in all of this? Especially in that microscopic view, when you see the constant changes and the uncertainty and all that, where is God? It's a very real question, and I hope that in these chats we have today that uh, we can kind of point you to God. And get you encouraged. So, like uh, like you had heard, we're going to be in good old First Kings, talking about our boy Elijah. He is, uh, yeah, he, it's funny because like as I've like read through these, like you you grow up like if if you've grown up a Christian, like you hear about Elijah, and just the things that uh, the cool stories kind of that happen with him. Um, but then, and this happens all the time too, like with any Bible story, you hear the Bible story and then you read the Bible story, and you're like, oh. I didn't notice that, or they didn't talk about that uh, in uh, in church or in Sunday school. So I had a lot of that when I was uh, looking through this. And so the first thing I wanted to do, and just remember that um, I want you to see that God is at work then, and he's at work now. And so I want to kind of bring 
yeah, some parallels of what's going on now to what was going on back then. So this is one of the verses we had uh, read uh, this morning, and it was uh, verse 17, chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there will, shall be no dew nor rain these years except by my word. Imagine being Elijah and just waking up one day and God's like, hey, you got to go tell the king we're cutting out rain for a long time. Like that's, that's, I don't know, it's kind of depressing, like to be the burden of that bad news and, and even to like process like what a drought does. Because like we, we've had droughts like for, I don't know, a couple weeks at a time in the summer and like think about how much that affects crops in 2021. And, and just how that affects everything we do in the summer of 2021 um, when we have all this technology. And then there, however many years ago that was, like three years is a long time with no rain. So um, so while it's not a pandemic, they had a drought. And that's what Elijah was living through for three years. So I wanted to point out, what did Elijah actually do when he had to give this bad news? Did he get mad at God and run away? Did he give up? What did he do? And uh, we're going to read a bit more into uh, chapter 17, uh, just in verse uh, 2. And the, and the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded, commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. After a while, and after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So there's two things I want to pull out of that. So what happened when, um, when Elijah had to share that bad news that the drought's coming? He followed what God wanted him to do, and God provided for him. And you could see that just through the provisions of meat and bread, and then also having water. But this is where it gets interesting, too, because, and I feel like most of us can probably relate to this, because you follow God sometimes, and, you, and we have this mindset that, like, if you follow God, everything's going to be all good. It's not. God calls us to be obedient. He doesn't call us, and then the, he doesn't guarantee us, like, promises of, like, safety and comfort. And, because, I mean, A, I don't think sitting by a brook would be very comfortable and probably kind of boring just because, yeah, you're just sitting there and there's probably not much to do and you probably don't have a lot of energy because, you don't you just got the food and the drought's there. Like, it's probably hot and gross. And then after after a while, the brook dried up. So, and then, because the, there's no drain in the land, so... All of a sudden, Elijah's like, well, there's my water. Like, what do I do? And, and so God, just because you're following God doesn't mean you're always going to be comfortable, and God's not going to bless you with, like, a million cool things. Like, that's not what God's calling you to do. Um, but once again, as this kind of next little bump in the road happens, what happens? We get to the, the widow, the story of the widow with Elijah. And most of us have probably heard that story. But, uh, so I'm just going to summarize it, uh, just because of the fair amount. But basically, the widow, Elijah, uh, the, well, actually, in verse 8, it says, Then the word of the Lord said to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to, there to feed you. So, Elijah, once again, follows God's command to go there. 
and runs into this uh, widow and uh, asks for some food. And, and the widow says, I only have a little bit of uh, oil and water. And there's the miracle there of just all this endless oil and flour. And it, so God provided for this uh, widow. So once again, when Elijah followed God, God moved and God provided. And so I just, and this is all in the drought. So I guess, I guess what I'm trying to pull here is we're in, a, we're, in the midst of the, we're in the midst of a pandemic where a lot of frustrating and demoralizing things are happening. But where's God moving? And I'm trying to show you that in this is that like through this drought, God has moved in Elijah's life with providing him food and water. And then without this, though, without that water drying up, God, like Elijah would have just sat there. But because the water dried up, it actually provided a new opportunity for God to show his power. Because after all this happened, um, well, then actually, right after that, the, um, the widow's son dies. So, um, and Elijah raises him back to life. And so without the water drying up and Elijah being obedient to leave the initial command that uh, the Lord had given him, like, God would not have been able to show his power in Elijah because in, in there, uh, right after he, uh, where is it, verse 23, and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah says, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. So th- God's providing miracles. God's moving. God saved someone's life. God revived someone. And then it opened the widow's heart to know that God, like Elijah's God, is the true God. And this is all happening in a drought when there's no water, where God's showing up with extra provisions and all that kind of uh, good stuff. And then from there, Elijah is t- called by God to go um, to show yourself to King Ahab. And uh, when he's going there, this is where uh, the, the classic story of Baal and the prophets. And who remembers hearing that story, like in Sunday school or in church, just where they're talking about, like the Baal and prophets, just how the prophets are trying their hardest to get Baal um, to come down and like set their altar on fire. And and it's kind of funny to me. So actually, we're gonna read a few uh, of those verses just to kind of give a bit of a freshen up, fre- refresher. That's the word I was looking for, not freshen up or, you know college get you places uh so uh verse 26 of chapter 18 and they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon saying oh Baal answer us but there was no voice and no one answered and they limped around the altar that they had made and at noon Elijah mocked them saying cry aloud for he is a god either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. And all the people came near him, and he repaired the altar. Of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as uh, would contain two seas of seed. 
and he put the word in order and cut the bowl in pieces and uh, yeah, cut the bowl in pieces and laid on the wood. And he said, fill four jars of water, pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And then they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and then filled the trench also with water. And at that time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah and the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Jacob, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, that this, these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire f- of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, and looked up the water that was in the trench. And the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So how wild is that? Is that just looking back at that story, like, like, it's not just like Elijah is just like giving like little pokes, like when they can't get the fire lit. Like, he's actually going pretty hard at them there. Just like, hey, is he sleeping? He's relieving himself? Is he on a journey? Like, like he's, he's actually yeah, making fun of them just because Baal's not real. Um, and it, to me, I'm like, oh man, it's kind of cocky how, he's, how confident he is in God that God's going to show up. So Elijah's riding this high of seeing God work in these crazy ways, and he's just, yeah just very confident in God. And one thing I actually noticed, and this is one of those things where, like, when you're hearing the stories and you don't read them, it, like, goes over your head. Um, I never realized when I kind of put this together that, like, when Elijah is, like, telling them to fill, like, like, cover the altar in water, like, they did it three times with four jars of water. We're in the midst of, or they're in the midst of, like, a three-year drought, so it's not just like, because like growing up, I remember hearing about the water on the, on like the altar and stuff. Like, oh, they're soaking it. Like that's cool. Because like God can outpower the water with His fire, then that's cool enough. But then to think, also, water is beyond a precious, beyond a precious commodity at this point in life. So it's not like it's just throwing water that you got kicking around. This is like probably someone's like water for like the next few days that they're giving up to show how strong and powerful God is. I never saw that before, and that's, that to me adds kind of like an added element of how much Elijah was trusting God in this element. And, uh, and then what's cool about this is that from this event, God showed how powerful he was, and, and then the, the prophets there declared that he was God and turned their hearts towards him. The irony of it, and I don't understand this, and this is another kind of side note, is that Elijah in verse 40 says, seize the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape, and they seize them there, and Elijah brought them down to the brook and slaughtered them there. So I don't know what he was thinking there, but um, yeah, so after they turned their hearts towards God, he killed them, and I don't don't fully understand that. I'm sure there's a theologian out there that has processed that, but it's very interesting to see where, where that's coming from. Um, but uh, in this, so you're seeing all these things like where God's kind of building into Elijah and working through Elijah because he's being obedient, and God's doing this all through this like crazy drought. But the one thing I want to show you too, uh, just to kind of remind you that while God can do incredible things through humans, like 
Elijah is very much so a human, is that in chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel all the things that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he had asked that he might die. It is enough, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. So, God, so Elijah, after seeing God do these insane things, like this brings him back to remind you, I hope, that he is very, very human. He was not anything special, just someone that God was working through and was listening to God. And that after he, it just blows my mind, you can be at this high where you're showing God's power through, through like lighting the altar on fire. And then the next minute you're running and hiding from a king because you don't want to die. And so it, I just find that humorous that uh, we can... We can see those kind of things uh, from from the Bible, like from characters in the Bible, because once again, it's very easy to see the things of like, oh yeah, he made the the widow's son raise uh, back to life, or he did the things with the Baal's prophets. But no, he's very human. So um, what I want you guys to get out of that is just when you look through that, like three years is a long time. Like we're only a year and a half into this uh, pandemic, and we're all exhausted. So to think three years of no water, like. They've got to be having a hard time and pretty miserable. But those are very big, well, actually, they're both small and large examples of where God was moving in that time. And that's what I want you guys to be encouraged about and, and walk away from here thinking is like, where is God moving? And that's what I wanted to kind of talk about now is just, this is a biblical reference just of where God moves in terrible times. And, and God's still moving here today. And this is where I wanted to kind of encourage you to see, like, how the last year with YFC is gone. So, um, as you as you know, like I said, I had had a year. Um, I've been here for a year. And even just, like, the whole process of me coming up here. Like, originally, my plan with uh, Juliana was to move up here in July of 2021 when I did the—when we were going to originally do the transfer. And then that time, that date got shifted twice. I didn't understand why I was— getting why that date was coming so soon Um, because yeah like I said like how does how does July 2021 turn into or September 2020 but uh, God knew what he was doing it was the right time for what was going on in North Huron and it gave me an opportunity to be able to actually yeah pick up some pieces and start connecting with the community before we did a whole winter and spring filled with lockdowns and so I could see God moving there and and that alone reassured me that while it's a crazy time in life like God wants us up here and uh and so some of the things that God has done kind of through this past year um this year we were actually able to have a summer staff um and this this uh, summer staff we had was a great guy I loved working with him um and and for me like in, in St. Catharines when we would do summer staff like like it was insane hours like just super busy like doing festivals fundraisers all these kind of things and working with youth nonstop, like the summer, a lot of ministries kind of cool down in the summers. Ours went the opposite direction. And so this year was my first year where it wasn't that way. It was much quieter and we were just trying to figure out how to get things started. And so, uh, but 
this is the year that that summer staff needed. That summer staff has a heart for God, but needed just someone to encourage him and work alongside with him and build into him. And so I could see God working in him, and even his parents had said to me and said to a few other people that I work with, just like they saw like a night and day difference in just his faith in God and just him as building his confidence because that's something he does not have. He was bullied a lot in high school, and so it's very exciting just to see God work just in him. And um, through this time, I've been able to kind of completely redo our youth center. So it's just kind of removing any kind of uh, look of what it used to look like, just really emphasizing the fresh start. So even though I've hated these lockdowns, it's given me an opportunity to actually do the things, because I'm not a handy person by nature, but with lockdown and excessive time, I can get it done. So it was it was a good time for me to have, um, just to be able to, yeah, when kids start coming in, it's a new place. And then uh, we've actually been able to start Friday, we started in the summer Friday night VBS, where we uh, partnered with uh, a church in town, and I worked with Steph Bloomberg, and we were able to use the back of the, the elementary school, like in the in like their field and stuff like that. Has Have any of you guys seen like the Maitland River, like uh, elementary school's like back area? It's incredible. It's got like a massive playground, fields, like it's got like the the stadium kind of seating with like these big rocks. Like to me, it was like the closest you can get to camp without being at camp. And we're able to use that for, I think we did seven, seven or eight weeks with the students where we were able to have nine to 12-year-olds come. We'd do some games. I had an Olympic kind of themed uh, devotional and uh, do snacks and stuff like that and start just building a new community with these kids. And it was crazy to watch these kids, like, I don't know, most of my experiences, kids are kind of like sitting there bored, like during the devotional, but these kids were like, involved and I always gave them like homework for the next week like make sure to be praying for people one week or make sure to think of someone above yourself or just like things like that and then I'd ask like oh did anybody remember to do this stuff and almost every one of them was like oh yeah I did this or I did that like like youth are starved for community right now and it was awesome to see just 15 to 18 kids on a Friday night just there just taking it and just loving it and there was no behavior issues because I honestly feel like those kids were so caught up in just being with each other again that it was, they had no need or want to misbehave. And so that was an awesome way to start uh, just the summer. And then uh, we actually had a, a student from before when I was here who I found out was going to be homeless. Like, and this was like probably in July. So this is, yeah, I, um, sorry. It was the beginning of July and I was talking to one of our volunteers and she said, yeah, this one of these students She's about to be homeless. She thought she had a place with her grandpa, so she's going to move there. Um, and then the grandpa decided he was going to sell his house and go travel. So she went back to her parents to say, hey, like, I don't have a, like, grandpa's not going to be around. He's going to be traveling. Like, oh, well, we're actually moving, and we're going to get two-bedroom apartment, and that's for us and your sister. So good luck. And she's 17. And trying to finish high school, like, just all this stuff, and she's had some hard times in life, and so I get this coming to me from a volunteer, I'm like, oh man, like, how do you, how do you even work with this, and so God actually kind of put in my head just saying, hey, like, she wants to be in Niagara, you're from Niagara, who do you know, and so I actually made a phone call, and now she's actually in, like, an incredible setup where she's with, like, what I call her as, like, the Mother Teresa Thorold, just as this woman with this incredible heart for God and just takes in girls or, like, young moms that are in, have these issues. And so she's in there with this incredible church family, like, just down the road. So she's being surrounded by Christians 
that are very active in the community. And I'm very thankful that that worked out because she never ended up being homeless, and now she's there. She should be enrolled by school by now. I know they're fixing that and working through that. And she's actually, there's ironically, the YFC I worked at is just down the road. And uh, they have some incredible female staff there right now that can uh, invest in her. So just God moving in these ways has been very encouraging. Um, and then moving forward, we're looking to get some elementary school mentoring uh, that Steph Bloomberg is going to be running, where it's just taking the students that are there um, that like need some help in elementary school age and just addressing that and starting investing in them earlier than we traditionally have because we're usually high school but we're getting a lot more issues popping up as elementary school kids so we're excited about being able to invest in the elementary school uh drop in i'm hoping to get going in mid late october and that'll be junior high because that's who we have the connections with um, we're going to be starting a music program. We're having the meeting on Wednesday with the volunteers for that just to see what our official starting date is. The goal, once again, for that one would be probably mid to late October. And then uh, we're going to be working. We have an open door with the high school, which I'm very thankful for, and we're still working out when that will start. But I've got the connections in there now to actually make this work. And uh, so we're very excited about that. And I actually have a co-op student, which I've never had before. And so it's cool to work with this co-op student because I have him like 25 hours a week. And I like working with him just because it's forcing me to keep moving because like we've been talking about like in the pandemic, sometimes it's very easy to get discouraged. So to have someone working with me who needs work to do as well, it's like, okay, no, you can't just sit there and kick rocks and be sad. It's like, no, keep going. Like God's moving. And I'm watching just even the encouragement he's getting and even the encouragement I'm getting from him. And so all I want you guys to see from this is that we're in a pretty frustrating time of life. But as you could see in First Kings, this is not God's first rodeo. He's done this before. He's got us through them. Um, and, and God's still moving here. God's moving in YFC. Um, and, and what I want you to come home, go home with is just like thinking about this, like, where is God moving in my life? Cause you might be incredibly frustrated and just sick of what's going on, but I guarantee God's doing something in your life or around you. And when you start thinking that way, it's very encouraging just to give yourself that kind of next boost of energy. Like, no, God's, God's here. God's bigger than what we're going through. And if that's all you come away from this with, that's awesome. So thank you very much for having me and I think the music team's back up next. So